0: This is Hannah Rose, and welcome to the Inspire Within podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Inspire Within. My name is Hannah Rose, and I'm your show host. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Sashi Chandran. Sashi is the founder and CEO of T-Drops, an innovative tea company serving the needs of the modern age tea drinker. Tea Drop is an organic bagless tea that is not only environmentally friendly, but also innovative and delicious. It's like a bath bomb for your tea. Thank you for being here today, Sashi. How are you?
1: Great. Thanks for having me, Hannah.
0: Yeah, of course. So what I usually like to do with my guests on the show is start off by talking us through your background a bit, if you could tell us a little bit about your upbringing and just what your
1: family life was like, that would be great. Sure, yeah, so um, I grew up um, in Southern California um, in the US and my both my parents are immigrants to the US. My dad is from an island called Sri Lanka, which is an island off the coast of India and my mom's Chinese. Uh, my dad was actually, I didn't find this out until a few years ago, but was actually born in a tea estate in Sri Lanka. And at one time, both China and Sri Lanka were the largest producers of tea in the world. So I had a lot of influence um, just naturally with my parents being together um, during childhood with tea always being Mm -hmm. at the dinner table and at family gatherings. And so that's kind of how my my love initially developed for just the ritual of tea and the comfort of tea. Um, And I had an older brother as well. Um, And so we grew up in a family um, that, you know, I guess with a lot of Asian influences, but also my parents, even though they, you know, went to graduate school in the U.S., they always had side hustles um, and they worked really hard as most immigrants do. So we were exposed to that work ethic early on. We were also exposed to a lot of my parents' side hustles, which I think very much influenced our, our interest in entrepreneurship. Um, even to this day, both my brother and I are, are entrepreneurial in our own ways. My, my brother's um, CEO right now of, of a tech company and I'm CEO of a, of a tea company. So, um, there was definitely a lot of influence of that growing up. And that led me to, uh, when I graduated college, I worked in kind of the traditional corporate world, but I had my eyes set on doing something on my own one day. I just didn't know what that would be. And one day I stumbled upon my own problem at work, which was I was always drinking multiple cups of tea a day and I would have my whole arsenal of tea equipment on my desk. So I would have my kettle, my strainer, my tea bag, my, not my tea bags, my loose leaf tea, and I would strain it and prepare it, which is a very labor intensive process if you've ever done it. And when, especially when you're on the go and, and in a fast paced environment. So I hadn't seen anything on the market that was really an, an, abbreviated or quick way to make. Traditional loose leaf tea. So if I, you know, as I didn't see it on the market, I just started experimenting with tea leaves at home and one thing led to another. And I ended up, um, creating this format called tea drops, which is a finely ground tea that's compressed into shape. Drops in hot water, dissolves kind of like a bath bomb and um, ended up patenting the idea, started selling at farmers markets and the business grew from there. So that's really kind of the origin story for myself and how the company got started.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And do you think that over time you were really able to grow the business quickly or did it take a while to kind of get, get off the ground and start, you know, having it create into what it is today?
1: It definitely took uh, many years to because you're figuring out a lot on on your own, you know, how to manufacture it. I started, sell, I started manufacturing this actually in my home kitchen and then it grew into commercial kitchen and then from a commercial kitchen to a co-manufacturer who makes our product now. So all of that is um, a lot of learning along the way. And then also you're learning on how to sell, where to sell, um, who the right customer is for your type of product, gathering research. So... I would say, I mean, I this is seven years into me running the company. And I still think that there's so much opportunity and a whole life ahead of us. But even to get to this point, it's been a lot, a lot of so much, obviously, work behind the scenes um, to get it off the ground and get it into retail doors.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations on, you know, kind of ripping the bandage off and going from corporate nine to five world to starting your own business. That's definitely not easy. That's something that I look up to a lot. And I know a lot of people don't necessarily have the courage to do that, but really want to. Throughout that journey, do you feel like there was any hesitation to move from the corporate world to do your own thing? Or what was that thought process and that kind of you know situation like for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, it definitely was. I think it's, it's very nerve-wracking when you are leaving a, a home of security and going off and trying something on your own. I think it also depends on what your decision criteria is to make that call. Um, For me, you know, I started this company when I was 27 or 28. And so, and my other alternative was I wanted to get an MBA. um, And I figured that, okay, if I'm going to, I wasn't going to leave my job to do my MBA, but I was going to do a nighttime MBA. But I figured, you know, this is kind of getting a mini MBA, starting a company. So I could invest the money I was going to spend in school and put it towards this this idea. And that ended up working out. Um, But even if that hadn't happened, I just knew that for my own learning potential, I would learn a lot more by doing this, even if it never amounted to anything. And that's something you just couldn't necessarily get in at least where I was in my corporate job. So that was my decision-making, even though I knew it wouldn't be a huge money maker, and I could take that risk at the time because I didn't have, you know, family or a lot of other other things that were weighing me down to really take that risk on my own and try it. And so I, I recognize that everyone's circumstances is different. I think when people ask me that question now, I'm like, well, there's actually a lot you can do even before you decide to leave your job to just get something on the ground, um, and you don't have to like make such a drastic decision right away. Now, when you get to the point where you feel like. Your time is really divided and you feel like, you know, for me, that feeling was, you know, I felt like I had one foot in one boat, another foot in another boat and both were going separate directions and both were really demanding starting, starting the, the beginnings of tea drops and also my job. That feeling was what made me realize like, okay, I think I have to take a step back and choose a path. Um, and that's what made the decision a bit easier.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it's such a tough thing, but it seems like you navigated that really well. And in regards to some of like the learnings in terms of creating your own business, do you think that you learned a lot of that through your parents who you mentioned were some of your, you know, initial sources of inspiration with a side hustle? Do you think that you learned that in your nine to five job? What was kind of, you know, the structure of learning into growing your own business when you started it up?
1: Yeah, I think it's more that, um, it was a more learning by doing. Even though I could see the example of my parents of taking risks and trying things, so that was a good template, right? To have that, um, but real learning happens for me, at least, like on the job and actually doing things and learning from other people. So, the the people I look to to learn the most from is people who are also business owners and founders, and learning how they approach a problem. So, I think it's it's a combination. Some of it's just you know my own um, my own drive to understand things or try things, but it's also a lot of learning from other people and who are, who are on the same path. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Who are, who would you say are your current like main sources of inspiration that you look up to in the business world?
1: Um, I think there's just so many for, Different reasons. I mean, I have immediate, you know, founder friends who are running their own direct consumer companies in the beverage space, in the in the re- in the apparel space, and a lot of the companies. Uh, so I have, you know, right now investors, and they have their own portfolio companies that I'm also learning from continuously. Um, I think it's hard to pinpoint one person for me. I know that's like. Um, I admire different people for different reasons, and so I think there's just so many, so many individuals to look up to, um, and they've all approached their businesses in a different way. So, like, I'll give you two examples. You know, you could look at the founder of Spanx. So she, you know, she built her business just on a five to ten thousand dollar loan, and then cultivated and built it to a billion dollar business. And she's an amazing marketer and, and salesperson. So that's like one way to grow. And then I also look at the current CEO of In-N-Out Burgers. Um, Her grandparents started the company. I think her name's Lindsay. And she's done a great job at really preserving the simplicity and the legacy of the menu and not trying to expand and grow into all these different trends. But her job, right, is to preserve the menu and protect basically Whereas another founder's objective, um, maybe, may you know, like the founder of Spanx is to really expand and grow and, um, and grow into many different, different categories and different markets. So very different approach to what they're doing, but I respect both of them for how they're reaching their, their objectives.
0: Yeah, I think that you provided two great examples. And I really think that, you know, like it's a mix of both in terms of creating a successful business, excuse me, and just being able to kind of navigate that too. So I know I was looking at, you know, tea drops and some of the different products you have. Everything looks so amazing. And for like matcha, for example, I think in your tagline or in the bio of the product, it says, you know, it's not about being trendy. It's not about that. We're. Macho genuinely has so many great benefits and this is why you should drink it. And this is why you should buy our product. So do you think you're trying to, you know, streamline and kind of provide those trends for your audience? Or do you think it's more simplistic and just providing, you know, the root of why tea is so great for you and, you know, where it comes from in terms of your family roots and everything?
1: I think it's a combination of both. I want people to see tea in a new light. I think for so long, um, tea is like, you know, a beverage that's thousands of years old and has a lot of, you make a lot of associations with tea as something you drink when you're sick or something that has, you know, a lot of nutrients or benefits, but it's not your everyday beverage. And I think we want to shed or dispel a lot of those, those preconceived notions about tea and really make it a, a drink that can integrate into your everyday lifestyle. And so that's why we have a range of different, Types of teas, you know, like we have a dessert collection to kind of show, showcase tea in a, in a different light. We have boba milk teas to also sh- showcase like, Hey, there's also, um, yes, it's trendy, but it's, but it's a delicious way you can also consume tea. Um, and then we have the traditional teas like the Earl Greys and the matcha if you want to go that traditional route. So I think with tea, uh, drops, there's something for everyone. And what, what it really comes down to is transforming your own moment. So whether that's that moment in your day where you want something that's decadent or you want something that's simple, but either way, it's like a moment for yourself. And so we have many, many roads of how you can, uh, and roads of how you can get there. But our job is to just help you see tea in a very different light, um, than you maybe have traditionally thought about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really great. And what would you say is your favorite tea or do, does it depend on your mood or just like the time of day?
1: Um, I definitely mood based, but I would say my tried and true tea is the first tea drop we ever came up out with, which is our chai spice. Uh, I just love the spices associated with chai from the black tea base to the cardamom, ginger, nutmeg. So that's that's definitely has has standed the test of time and it's still my favorite.
0: Yeah, that sounds so good. I'm excited to try that one, too. And um, would you say that in regards to the environmental piece, it definitely is super sustainable to not have a tea bag in every single drink that you have, not being able to either recycle it or throw it out and have it go back into the earth? Was that a main motivation for you creating this product as well? Or did that kind of just be an additional plus over time?
1: There were so many reasons for me, I would, I, to be honest, like the flavor part of tea was something that's very important to me. And so tea bags just often lack that flavor piece of it um, because it's tea bags are often made of tea dust. So it's the last part of tea harvesting and production. So it's never as aromatic or flavorful. But when you actually research what goes in your tea bags, um, 80% of tea bags on the market are bleached. So you have bleach that's going in your tea. Um, then also you have tea bags are often made with plastic. So you have, they said there's a study by McGill that said, um, billions of microplastics go into your tea when you steep, steep it in hot water. So it made me realize like, whoa, there, there is actually, um, a huge, um, just misconception around tea bags and like what, what it's comprised of. And we're not, you know, we all don't think about it, but, um, there's an eco-friendly component, um, that tea drops addresses. Uh, I will say that we're still on the road of really making our, our packaging zero waste, but we've made a lot of progress in ditching the tea bag.
0: Yeah, that's so amazing. And it's crazy to think how much plastic and bleach is going into our body when we think that we're doing something beneficial for ourselves. That's insane. So definitely to anybody listening, take that into consideration when you're buying a tea bag instead of buying tea drops. So, um, but yeah, I would love to hear where you see, you know, yourself professionally and where you see tea drops going in the next, you know, three to five years.
1: Yeah, I think it's always hard. That question is always hard because evolution happens where it's like you see one horizon and you you pursue it and then you're like, you see another opportunity open up. I think for us, we've always been clear that we want tea to be perceived in a different light. We want to show the diversity of it, the flavorfulness of it, um, the versatility of it. And I think that through all the products we've been launching and even really leaning into this whole customization piece. So we have a whole personalized subscription box on our site where you can pick and choose exactly the teas you want. We provide inspiration for all the different beverage creations you can make with it. um, It's something that we're really leaning into and something that's going to be part, even a stronger part of our future moving forward. Um, We're launching a whole new site experience that really leans in on personalization in January of next year. Um, And we're working really, really hard towards that. And then continuing on, um, you know, tea just being um, a beverage that I think simplifying it so that it's more accessible and doing that through various retail partners and channels and partnerships too.
0: Mm -hmm. And where can we currently find Tea Drops in right now?
1: Yeah. So we're in about 3,000 retail doors right now. You can find us in Whole Foods, Midwest, Giant, Natural Grocers, um, cost plus world market and we have a heavy presence online on our own website. So that's mytdrop.com and also on Amazon.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that too. And I just want to, you know, ask a little bit about just you as a professional and yourself and tips for advice for the audience. So in regards to being a CEO and founder, I think it's, you know, a lot on your plate. It's not a set nine to five schedule. There's no end time or beginning time to the day. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about how you balance your schedule in terms of work life and personal life and just kind of keeping your sanity amongst all of that as well.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't know if there's like a a right or wrong way to do it. I think for me, what works best is I have the most energy in the morning um, freshness of mind. So I really try to like pack more in earlier in the day. So depends because I do really need eight hours of sleep. So depending on what time I went to bed the night before, but I try to go to bed by 11. I'm usually up by 645, seven. Um, and then essentially working from then, um, I try to make time for lunch, but really working through the day until 435 o'clock. Um, and then lately I've really tried to be good about 530 shutting down and then having dinner, going out for a walk, getting some physical exercise and hang out with my husband, Um, and then the evening, if I need to turn back and finish up some things, you know, eight, nine o'clock, I'll do that. Um, but really try to shut down around that five o'clock mark, like fully, you know, being available and then restarting the day like that. So even though, um, you know, I think we have this notion and sometimes it is true in the beginning where you have to work 60 to 80 hours a week to get something off the ground. And certainly that's true in some cases, I think that it's also the, your attention to things and, um, really being focused on the time you are working to be efficient because it's not sustainable. You know, it's, this is not a sustainable life working that hard. If you want to have a relationship or have a, you know, family and you, you want to, for me, it's important to be well rounded in that regard, uh, that you can really pour your life into. A startup or something you're building, but neglect other areas of your life fully. Um, and I, I've done that a lot, you know, in the earlier years, but there's a price to pay for that. And so right now I really want to move more towards, um, a healthier balance. And so that's what helps me to achieve that.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's so crazy just to try to find that perfect balance. And I don't think that there will ever be a perfect balance, but as long as you're taking time to, you know, get in physical activity, create a morning routine for yourself, get outside and being able to focus in really hard on those working hours is super important too. So thank you for sharing that because I know that it can be a struggle for a lot of entrepreneurs as well. Um, But yeah, I would just love, for you to leave us off with some tips of advice for emerging entrepreneurs or those who are feeling a burnout in their nine to five or anything like that. What would you say, you know, if you could maybe give yourself advice back then if you were feeling a similar type of way?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. One is that I think I had this, um, illusion that I had to know all the things before I started. I had to have the right connections. I had to kind of like entrench myself in the industry more. Um, but I feel like that's actually not true. You just have to get started. Um, uh, and on the path of getting started, it's like you can start small, you know, like I, I literally had, um, like a tabletop, you know, just put a table out in a small artisan show to get feedback and there's nothing wrong with that you know you, you have to start somewhere to get feedback to get validation and then build from that and any one of us can do that while we still have a 95. the third thing is just this notion of persistence I think persistence outbeats intelligence outbeats um so many things that you know for me I'm like I don't know for me I was just I think we all have imposter syndrome like oh I don't feel smart enough I don't feel like i'm qualified enough etc but i think the whole notion of grit and persistence if you really really want something you just keep going if you have setbacks in the day just like okay take a little breather but get back to it um has done wonders for me to even get to this point um so i'm a strong believer it's not like what you know who you know but it's how hard you're willing to just chip at it and keep going in the midst of so much you know adversity uh, I know it sounds cliche, but it really is important for for the journey.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think so many people struggle with imposter syndrome and not feeling like it's the perfect time or not feeling good enough to start something. But it sounds like you just kind of ripped the bandaid off and started chipping away at this. And now it's become a really successful business and something that you can be really proud of. So Congratulations on that, and thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it, um, and thank you so much for your time. I, I'm so excited to try to tea drop and have
1: some soon. Yeah, thanks, Hannah. Thanks for having me. Of course.